Inductees into the South Dakota Hall of Fame come from all backgrounds of life, but one thing they all have in common is their daily pursuit of their dreams. In this podcast, you will hear stories of the legacy of these inductees and how these dream chasers have impacted South Dakota in meaningful ways. We're talking today with with Bill Walsh. What year were you inducted? In uh, 2007, 15 years ago. 2007, yep. Bill, you've had a varied career, started as a priest, went into social service work, then went into hotel operation, tourism, promotion and management. As you look over the arc of your career and the experiences in your life, what are the memories that you point to when somebody asks you what changed the trajectory of your life and why? Well, uh, boy, that's a that's a loaded question. You know, I struggled forever uh, going into the priesthood, and uh, I had spent uh, you know eight years in boot camp and officers training, just like the military, and uh, then I spent twelve years active as an active priest. Loved every minute of it. I loved being a priest. I love helping people, and and to be an instrument of, of God's grace, you know, it doesn't get any higher than that. And uh, but then uh, Vatican II came along, and uh, we began to understand the church in many different terms. And basically, I lost my brothers, uh, Pat Carey. From Mitchell went on to uh, Marquette, head up the theology department at Marquette. Tim Willard from Yankton went on. He married the uh, young woman who was head of ACLU at the time, became one of the top lawyers in New York City. I mean, we had some really good priests. And, and you know, so I basically lost my support group. But... Um, uh, and the other thing I think that was happening, and it was happening to me, and it was happening, uh, it's gonna happen here to the Hall of Fame, is that heretofore, a lot of young men or a lot of young women would go into the nunnery or the priesthood as a lifetime thing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we said, well, you know, I've put in my 20 years, maybe I should do something else and still, be committed to my faith, my God, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's where I was at. And I knew I was at that age where I better make the decision to uh, get out while I could still earn a living. You still have to be practical on mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I had a couple of close guys uh, that stayed in, Father Jerry Holtzman, Father Jimmy Doyle, great priests. They, they stayed in because I think they were at that time in their life where they didn't want to start over. But now, Marcy, you know, as I work with young men and women at Ellsworth Air Force Base, a lot of them go 20 years, and then they say, well, I want a new career. And I know one young uh, couple that spent 20 years in the Air Force, then 20 years with American Airlines, and now they ranch in Texas. So they've had three careers. And I think that's going to hit eventually in my daughter's profession. They, uh, they change careers ever so often anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're not looking at, and maybe I was ahead of my time in that, you know, saying I've done my thing. I'm bored with my sermons because <laughs> I've given them three or four or five times, you know. And I used to do, 
When I was at the cathedral in Sioux Falls, I did 50 funerals a year, mm -hmm. 50 or 60 funerals a year. I remember going back, one, one day I had a funeral in the morning, and I had a wedding, and I had another funeral. I went back to the back of the cathedral, and I looked around and I thought, I don't know who I'm burying. It wasn't until I got up to the altar and read the card that I realized who I was burying. So that factory didn't appeal to me, you know, anymore. And uh, I still have the highest admiration for anybody that goes into the priesthood or sisterhood. But uh, for me, it was time to move on. And, uh, and I think eventually, uh, you know, my former parish, they fell in love with Joe. They fell in love with Joe. They had, would have no problem. Your wife, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Your now wife, Joe. Yeah. yeah. That uh, if I would have came back and served as a married priest, they wouldn't have had any difficulty. Yeah. What the church has done is um, ordained a lot of married men who are deacons. Mm -hmm. I think there are now five deacons for every priest. Mm -hmm. So it's only a matter of time that the church will recognize the, a married clergy, especially right. in the Western Rite. Right. So. Well, I, and I can see, you know, I, I appreciate you talking about the, how, how that had to be a decision that you had to think long and hard about and struggle with. Your next career progression then to work in social services seems like it was a natural progression exactly. from the priesthood. Exactly. But then we get to 1980 and you become a hotel owner and operator, yes. that was a real pivot. How yeah. did that happen? We got married at Rochford on New Year's Eve. We had Father Michael O'Reilly from Marty Mission. Bob McBride was the Methodist priest, or Methodist minister for Joel. O'Reilly was the priest for me. And we had a, a, a wonderful wedding. And then afterwards, we went down to the hotel and uh, had the reception. The bishop said, don't have a big wedding. And I said, oh yeah, that's fine. We'll just invite our family. But he didn't say anything about the reception. So we invited 250 people to the reception. And it, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And uh, at that time, uh, there were three partners in the hotel and one partner was leaving. So the other two partners said, would you become a partner in the hotel? Well, yeah, I you know I always wanted that bar downstairs. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of I, my favorite places yeah. this is the Franklin Hotel in Deadwood, Dirty Nellie's Bar. Yeah, Dirty yeah. Nellie's downstairs. It's like the old Irish pub. Oh yeah. man, it just was a sleeper. So I said, well, we'll become partners if I can have that that bar, and uh, and it was a great ten years. I was a saloon keeper for ten years, yeah. and it was always great when the uh, Masons came over every month from uh, the Masonic Temple across the street, and they would walk in and they would say, hey, Father Bill, three buds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they talk about the confessor as the bartender, and yeah. you had yeah, you had practice in, in, in both. Well, and, and I really believed that. I mean, it's uh, it was great interaction. We kept the, uh, I just heard a recording of our first uh, weekend, which we had sweet rain. Nobody ever heard of jazz in Deadwood. Mm -hmm. And uh, we played a lot of jazz, a lot of mm -hmm. Irish tunes, and uh, and a lot of, you know, a lot of different music. But 
the the bar jumped and the hotel jumped uh, we did a lot of uh, crazy things every month in the hotel to attract people to come into the hotel and mm -hmm. i mean nobody ever celebrated the end of prohibition but we did yeah. <laughs> well you know i remember and i think it's important to remember the context of time so this was about 1980 yeah, that you exactly. went into this yeah. homestake mine was still operating yes. 1985 yeah. was announced that it was going to be shutting down yeah was going to fundamentally change the Northern Hills. Yes, yeah. Tell us about how you got involved then in the discussions about, this was a high hill, legalized gaming at the right. time it was passed in 87? 89. 89, I thought there was a lot of- excuse me, 88, yeah. 88, yeah. There was only Vegas and Atlantic City gaming. Exactly. So this was a high hill. This yes. was not a, you know, this was not a chip shot. No. How did the discussions come about? What was kind of your thought about that? Did you have any moral struggles with that? Oh, in sure, terms of, yes. Okay, tell us about that. Yeah, well, I always sort of uh, struggled with gambling, and then I recognized that a lot of the moral theologians in, in, um, in America were Catholic theologians, were not opposed to, to gambling, you know, and uh, so I, that helped me in my own consciousness, uh, even though when I, when we legalized it, part of the legalization process was I went before the ministerial board in Sioux Falls and the one in Rapid City, both two times. And I would tell these, my buddies, I had a lot of buddies that were ministers, don't preach against this when when the vote comes. I said, this is just going to be a step above Catholic bingo. <laughs> <laughs> Did they buy that? Bill? They bought it. <laughs> But at that time, that's what it was, because yeah. we had only $5 bet limits. But, uh, yeah, I struggled with it a long time, and uh, and we tried, uh, at, I think, in 1982 to legalize, uh, to allow communities to vote on it, uh, whether or not they wanted legalized gambling. So there was always, and that didn't pass, but there was always this, rumor in Deadwood, let's bring gambling back, you know, and uh, as I know in politics, everything's timing, and and so when the state in 1986 passed the lottery, I called up my buddy Mike Tricano, uh, mm -hmm. Notre Dame graduate, and said, Mike, this is the time to go. Let's, let's get organized, and that's what we did. And Mike's family company was Black Hills Novelty, and yes, been there since yeah, yeah. And third generation business. We had the you bet committee. Tom Blair and his his wife, uh, actually, yeah, the Melvin seven Hills, of us. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mentioned this when I went into the Hall of Fame fifteen years ago. Seven people in any community can turn it around. I don't care if you get seven people really motivated and and uh, involved in the community, you can turn it around. And basically. Those seven plus another, this is almost biblical, another 12 uh, really strong leaders that helped us. And uh, we went we, we went to the legislature. We got beat, I think, by three votes in the House. And then Murray Dunn said, well, well, let's put it on the ballot. And I said, well, why not? You know, let's put it on the ballot and let the... Um, the, the people vote on this, and, and that's what we did. We collected 35,000 signatures. Those people who think that's an easy job, I gotta tell you, if you can get 12 people a day to sign your petition, that's mm -hmm. really something. But we uh, we got it on the ballot, and uh, 
you know, we pushed the idea, let's make Deadwood, uh, let's restore the buildings in Deadwood, and let's make Deadwood fun again. And I think I think that's a key that you touch upon. It was one thing to pass limited gaming, but the yeah. proceeds funded a historical preservation commission. Right. Yeah, a lot of infrastructure development, yes. a lot of a lot of things that had been lost to time had been rediscovered. Yeah, yeah. and it was not only in Deadwood, but we put out ten thousand grants across the state every mm. year. For Who do you think Deadwood would be like today had limited gaming not passed? Oh, I think uh, we were losing. Um, uh, the, the people that kept Deadwood alive, the businessmen and women, they were all aging. So I don't know if we could have survived or not. I'm sure we could have survived, but not to the extent that, that uh, we have uh, been able to uh, really do a lot of historic preservation. And, mm -hmm. and not only downtown, but the houses around Deadwood. Mm -hmm. They've all received a lot of money to renovate and restore those homes. And so we have a very uh, strong uh, marketing group in, in, in Deadwood now. And almost every weekend is packed with people. I mean, it's fun again. It's mm -hmm. exactly what we thought we wanted to do. And mm -hmm. so, uh, and from there, I got to tell you, one of the first guys that called me was Joe Kernan. You're Joe from, from South Bend. Former governor of Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. And mayor, mayor of South Bend. South Bend. Yeah. And he said, let's, uh, Bill, uh, can you come out here? Because I want French Lick and West Baden mm -hmm. to have gambling. And I said, sure, Joe. And, I, and, and he and I became close friends. And I went out there and presented exactly what we were doing. And then they came to Deadwood and, uh, and they got it on the ballot and they passed it in Indiana. Mm -hmm. And that was true of Colorado, too. Uh, a gentleman down at Cripple Creek, Colorado, I mean, he called me almost every week to figure out where we were in that process. And when we got it in, he brought a lot of people to Deadwood to explore that, that whole thing. And, uh, and they passed it. And then St. Charles, Missouri was the same thing. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I went down there and helped uh, them develop that. But so that's where it took off, you know. Mm -hmm. Once we cracked the ice, um, it really went everywhere. And uh, hopefully God won't keep it against me. <laughs> I worry about that, you know. So. Um. So since you've retired, kind of retired and stepped back from your business career, you're still a big promoter of South yeah. Dakota tourism. But talk a little bit about your efforts with Black Hills Press Club and Forum, and what was the thinking behind that? You're still very engaged in that. Yes. I've seen I've seen you there yes. once a month. Yeah. What was important to you about that? Well, you know, I could see the polarization, and I got to tell you, Marcy, it's not a recent polarization. It's been going on for 50 years. I. I just was reading some of the journals I wrote when I was trying to decide whether to stay in the priesthood or not, and uh, I talked a lot about, you know, the far right, the far left, and never the twain shall meet, and uh, so I just thought this is a time to really start bringing people together and, and having a discussion because we need to understand each other. We need to understand where other people are coming from, uh, whether you're liberal or conservative or in between. And uh, and the key, I think, because I went to St. John's University where there were 200 monks. 
half of them were liberal, half of them were conservative. Mm -hmm. But they all celebrated mass together. They all broke bread together, you know. They never took their liberal or conservative policy. That didn't turn off the other, the other monks who were not that way. And, and uh, so I thought, let's, uh, let's try this. And, and uh, so we've been trying it for uh, eight and a half years. Marnie Herman is my co-host. Marnie is a solid Republican. I'm a solid Democrat. And uh, it's just been very successful bringing people together, having speakers, and uh, allowing people to break bread together, but then to ask a question. No statements. We don't allow for anybody to get up and, and, and give us their philosophy. You know, it's asking questions of the speakers, then sit down and, and listen to the speaker. You know, I mean, listening is the key to understanding and, and thus far it's very, been very successful and and, uh, and we're thrilled that you're a part of the team now. Glad, and, I'm uh, glad to be back working on it. Yeah. What else is keeping you busy? Well I do a lot of things. Uh, I've been involved with uh, Ellsworth Air Force Base for 40 years. Ever since I opened up that bar hmm. and all the B-52 guys used to hang out there and they got me involved with, uh, with Ellsworth and uh, and so I've been involved as an honor commander and a mentor to the honor commanders for almost 40 years. Uh, I, I just, uh, I love those people. It, they bring such a sense of class to the Black Hills. I mean, they're, they're a great bunch of men and women. And, and um, uh, Commander Joe and his, his wife were, were my commanders with the uh, 37th, uh, and so I'm getting to know kids from 30 years ago that are now commanders, mm -hmm. and, and uh, it's fun. It's and I love the liturgy and the pageantry and and mm -hmm. everything involved uh, with with the Air Force. Um, and they allowed me to go up and, and be a, a co-pilot one day, and uh, you know that was one of the highlights of my life to be mm -hmm. able to go up in the air and. And the only thing I want now is to be able to go to California, help bring in the the, the, the B-21 when, mm -hmm. when it gets up. Because mm -hmm. a bunch of us went in 35 years ago to bring the B-1 in. And uh, so it's, that's been a great uh, uh, get together. And, and before the pandemic, we were involved with uh, Catholic uh, people who had graduated from uh, Catholic universities and colleges, and that's another big thing that I really am uh, involved in because it's uh, it's such a challenge uh, these days uh, to keep people in the pews and and, mm -hmm. and knowledgeable about what they're doing, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so. We, we've got that going, and then I got a grandson, mm -hmm. and I told, I wrote Robert Redford and, and said, move over, I, I've got your replacement. <laughs> <laughs> no pride of no, the grandparent no, out no, there. No, no, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's something else, and, and my daughter uh, Mackenzie is uh, head of sales for Blue Peak, and, and uh, it's just exciting. We have an exciting life. But you still think about, because I know you well enough to know, you still think about what world would that grandson of yours inherit? Yes, yeah, and, and 
part of me is fearful because of everything that goes on and, and uh, the climate change, that's, that's big on my mind. Uh, you know, I don't want him to inherit the earth in which it's all burning up or flooding, you know, that type of thing. And, uh, but I've got great confidence in, in, uh, in the future and, and in the young people of the future. And, uh, and uh, you know, I look at my daughter, just a loving, bright person, and, and my son-in-law. Uh, it, it's just, it's great to be around those young people. And, and they're inheriting what, you know, uh, for good or evil, what has happened. And I'm very positive about the United States today. I really am very positive for our democracy and, and uh, we just got to keep working at it. Historically, you know, these things have been back. You know, it's hard to beat the 60s for, <laughs> for polarization. The turmoil, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, we were shooting kids on college campuses and riots all over the United States and our involvement with a war that nobody wanted to be involved in and uh, you know that was a tough time and you know my phones were tapped you know. You know that's really interesting context when you bring that up that sometimes when we live through a period we think it's never been better right. or, you, or worse Yeah. And, and you hear people talk about how, how bad things are. The yeah. reminder that we've lived through bad things before is often important. Not only that, but we li we've lived through such economic times. I mean, uh, when I was a young boy, about 10, I drove a team of horses to shock. My grandmother didn't have electricity, mm -hmm. oil lamps, no running water, mm -hmm. outside busy, you know, and, uh, and they thought they had it pretty good. <laughs> and, and just think of, and, and, a lot of people never got out of the, the counties in South Dakota, right. but now they travel the world over. I mean, it's just amazing to me the, the technological progress that we've made and, mm -hmm. and the fact that a lot of people um, have been able to grow economically. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I think uh, that idea that South Dakota's a poor state is a bunch of baloney. We've got a lot of people that are making a lot of money in the state and, and we're, we're a pretty progressive state. Um, um, so anyway, I, I, I really um, believe in the future and, and that's why I stay involved because I look at the people that are being inducted into the Hall of Fame this, um, this week They've all made tremendous contributions to their community. And, and that's all sort of changed over the years. Uh, you know, we used to put a lot of emphasis on statewide uh, uh, performances. Now it's not only statewide, but how are people performing in their own community? You know, and the whole idea of excellence. I mean, it's an old Greek term. And it was so much a part of the Kennedy administration back mm -hmm. in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. I love to see that come back in and see the excellence uh, of our uh, inductees. You know, mm -hmm. uh, great inspiration to me. Well, and me, and you touched on something earlier about the impact that one person or a small group of people can make. I'd like, I'd like you, because you and I had the shared experience this week of losing someone that we knew yes. well, way too young. Yeah. Um, 
Somebody told me you made a comment that we we should have wakes while we're alive. <laughs> but we all have to think back about you know our it's, it's some when none of us are gonna none of, none of us no. are gonna leave this world no. um, uh, upright. That's right. How do you want to be remembered? Uh, just as a good guy, you know, uh, who uh, decided to uh, try to make a difference, uh, whether it be in the priesthood or out in the world, uh, in politics. I've been involved in, in the political field for a long time. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I remember in tourism, Joe and I being in, in London one time, working in tourism, trying to get English over here to America. And we said, well, let's go to the play tonight. And so we were in the taxi cab and, and all of a sudden this limo pulled up right next to us and this little lady waved. Here it was a queen. <laughs> and and uh, so to, to, that has always been a big... Uh, I love to interact with people that come out to the Black Hills and, and uh, enjoy uh, the nature and all of the qualities that we have in the, in the Black Hills. And it's a real balance. We have mm -hmm. to, you know, we don't want to get overloaded either. And uh, so, um, uh, thank you for asking that question. And, and now you may want to ask my wife <laughs> how she feels about it. But uh, uh, we've had a great, uh, a great marriage, 44 years. I think we dated for four years before that. And we've got a great uh, daughter and son-in-law and, and grandchild. And, and uh, let's just make it a better world for them, you know. Here, here. Thank you, my friend. Thank Good you, Marcy. Yeah, it's great, great to see somebody uh, who had Joe Kernan as a mentor. One of the great, great. Uh, uh, I can't tell you the many stories that that Joe told me, but uh, nice to have you back. In well, it, he was uh, it was an honor to have gotten to know to know him. Yeah, what a great man. Thank you for listening. To learn more about the South Dakota Hall of Fame and these dream chasers, visit our website at www.sdexcellence.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.